0: I heard a story uh, this week, and I thought I'd kind of start off with that. Uh, this is this fellow. We're, we're just going to give him a name, Joe. All right? Just I don't know what his name is. But he had a friend that uh, was an artist, a uh, very good artist. And he was visiting his friend one day, and he said uh, to the, to the fellow uh, – He said, you know, he says I like to draw too. And uh, the the, the artist said to him, well, if if, if you want to do something, he says, here's, you know, uh, a a thing of uh, paper, and uh, you know, it's the the sketching pad that they have, and you can draw something on it. So he did. He 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 sketched a picture of the sun. It wasn't really very good, but the artist, you know, put it aside for all his his paintings. And, you know, one day the artist passed away. And so they were having an auction. And the auction was, you know, we're going to auction off all of these uh, beautiful paintings. Because the guy was fairly famous. And many people came uh, to the auction. And Joe decided he'd go to, to the auction. So he went and he's sitting there. And the auctioneer said, well, according to the will, the first thing... That we have to auction off is this painting of the sun, and you know everybody kind of looked at it like, all right, you know. So uh, they said they, they said uh, you know somebody opening the bidding, nobody said a word, you know. And time went on and nobody was saying anything. So finally Joe made a bid, and it was just you know like fifty cents or something like that. It was just a, a nothing bid, and. Everybody else was silent, so they said, okay, sold to Joe here for 50 cents. And all the people started saying, well, you know, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. And the auctioneer said, well, according to the will, whoever bid on the sun gets all the other paintings. And nobody was able to get anything else. And there's a spiritual story behind that. See, whoever got the Son got everything. We have the Son, you know? We have everything. The book of Ephesians says that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And isn't that neat? You know, we have the Son, so we have all of these spiritual blessings. We were, we were very uh, blessed this uh, past month uh, to be able to go to this prayer summit that they had in in Washington. It's actually in Virginia, but some of it took place in in Washington, D.C. And we've shared some of the things uh, with it to to some of you. You know, it's one of those things that you don't stop talking about because, you know, it it was something that God had led us to. You know, God, we think a lot of times of what can I do for God? You know, I'm sure, I've thought of that, and I'm sure many of you have too. You know, what what should I be doing for God? And we don't really have to think like that. Because God's always doing something. Our prayer needs to be, Lord, how do you want us to join along with what you're already doing? And that's what was going on with this prayer summit. This is things that were going on already. And we just kind of joined in with it. I mean, God showed it to us at some point. You know, we we got invited to it. We didn't even, I mean, there wasn't something in our plans all through the year. We didn't even really know about it. But God just kind of showed it to us. And I think that's a prayer that we need to have, all of us need to have at all times. God, what are you doing? What, what's, you know, what are you working on so that we can just join in with this, that what, what you're already doing? Then you know that you're doing what He wants you to do. Rather than picking something out that, you know, I want to do something for God, so I'm going to do this. And Lord, how come you're not joining in with me? How come this isn't working? You know, because a lot of times we're not doing what God really wanted us to do. He's doing something over here, and, and we're over here, Doing something else—they're good things, you know. There's a lot of good things going on in the world, but it doesn't mean that that's where God's taking people. So we want to make sure that we are there, that we're in the in the right spot with, with God. That, I think that's that's uh, just an important point to make. Last week uh, we had our grandsons with us, so. We took them to a Renegades game down in uh, in, uh, Duchess uh, Stadium down there. And, of course, during the game, the seventh inning stretch, uh, someone gets up and beautifully sings, God Bless America. I love that song. That that song, to me, it's not really a song. It's really a prayer. You know, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. Through the night with the light from above. It's 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 such a beautiful prayer. I don't think many people think of it that way. Just just a song, but to me it it I I cry. I mean, it, just everything within me just kind of like does this um, this feeling I get these mixed emotions where I love the song and God I want you to bless America and then I say how can you how can you bless America with all that's going on. You know, we're killing babies every single day. We're throwing God's word back in his face about things like homosexuality and, and marriage, redefining marriage, saying, God, you defined it, but sorry. You know, you're not modern enough now. You know, it has to be something different. I mean, these are things our country is doing. And that's why our country needs so much prayer. We have to be uh, praying regularly that, I want to show you what, what was going on in Israel at one point and correlate it with what is going on in here in the United States. I want to take you to Nehemiah chapter 9, and I'm going to start in verse 28, and it says, But after they had rest... They again did evil before you. i talking to God. Therefore you left them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments. But sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them, and testified against them by your Spirit and your prophets. Yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. For you are God, gracious and merciful. I think that's where we're at. God is being gracious and merciful. I mean, there's there's a lot we're doing that is going against his word, as a nation now. But he is being gracious and merciful. For how long? That's, a, that's one of the things that we don't know, and that's why um, we need to be praying. You know, uh, I, I think there are many groups of people, and, and we saw some of these when we were in Washington, where we met people from many, many different states in the United States that had come to this prayer summit specifically to to pray. And they've been praying. And they've been praying for years. And I know there are people in this town that have been praying for years for for the town. And a lot of times, you know, we don't see answers. And we have to be careful when we say, well, God answered this prayer, but he didn't answer that prayer. And that, to me, is... It's not scriptural at all. God answers every single prayer. Sometimes these prayers are kind of like in here. God's ageless. You know, there's no time. So when we think of answered prayer, we always think in the, the, the framework of time. You know, it has to be answered by a certain time frame. All right? For God, there is no time frame. And this is one of the neat things that we we really learned at this this prayer summit with one of the speakers. I want to take you to the book of Hebrews. And chapter 11, and, and we all know what chapter 11 is of Hebrews, okay, the Hall of Fame of all, all these people that have done so much. But I want to go to verse 39. This is right at the end of chapter 11. And this says and we're talking about all of these people that had done great things through through the ages starting, you know, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And it says and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. See, they couldn't be made perfect apart from us. This is thousands of years ago. So what happens to all of those things that they did all that time what happens to all of the prayers that they prayed during all that time again going back God is ageless there's no time there so any prayers that they prayed they're still there they, have, they didn't end 2000 years ago and what God, I think, is, is telling us here is that the prayers that we pray are united with the prayers that they prayed. Now, you go back and you think of our country. Our country was founded on very, very basic principles by our founding fathers. So, our founding fathers prayed. And when they prayed, their prayers are actually going to be united with our prayers now. Again, we're not, we might not be seeing anything. They didn't see anything, these people, 2,000 years ago. So we're not seeing it either. And our prayers are going to be united with our children's prayers, our grandchildren's prayers, on into you know whenever this reaches its point of conclusion. So we have, and you think back to the pilgrims, Maybe before they came to America, I know they had a church, and there was a lot of people, a lot of pilgrims who didn't come. There was only certain of them who came, but they were praying for this country. Our country was established by them as a light on the hill. That has not ended. We're still to be a light on the hill. Our uh, founding fathers. When, got into that as they established our nation again as a light on a hill because all of the laws and everything were established on Judeo-Christian values. Those are our values today. They have not stopped. Okay? We're seeing changes that are coming about through you know, some of our government, but that doesn't mean those prayers are not answered. Okay? And they're, they're going to go on okay the the founding fathers established foundational things that they do judeo christian things it 's only the people of God that have a right to these judeo christian things i want you to, I want to take you into Nehemiah and show you how that the same thing happened in israel at, at a one point in time, and that would be Nehemiah Two, I think. I think it's, it was two. Yep. To uh, start with uh, verse 18. Nehemiah speaking. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words, that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Gershom the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? Notice all three of those people that he's talking about are not Israelites. So they, they did not have the right to be there or to be saying these things. So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or a memorial in Jerusalem. Now, it's the same thing in America. We have freedom of religion. There's a lot of different religions in America, but none of these religions have a right to change anything in our country under which we are living. And that's what we have to understand, and that's what we have to be praying against. They can have freedom of religion but they do not have the right to come in and change the government that we are living under because our government was established by our founding fathers in union with God, okay, and his principles, those Judeo-Christian principles that are, 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 have been there, okay? Now, when we do pray... And I'm going to let Patty take over. Patty's been very quiet so far. She hasn't even corrected me yet. No. (laughs) But when we do pray together with the founding fathers, with the pilgrims, with our future, uh, there's a word that this was given. It's called synergism. And synergism is basically when something gets multiplied more than what it would normally add up to. And being a math teacher, I, I took it automatically into math. You take the number 2 and add 2 and add 2 and you get 6. Okay? In synergism, now, when when we're praying like this, 2 plus 2 plus 2 is going to be greater than 6. Much greater. Okay. In other words, the prayers of people then and the, our prayers now and the prayers of the future are multiplied. We're not praying in a vacuum we're not praying so that you know it's just our prayer it's the uniting of all these prayers together it's such a great thing that's that's why we can't get discouraged when we don't see the answers to our prayers okay as, as long as we, we, we have to persevere in that because synerg, in synergism it's going to be multiplied tremendously and great things will happen alright because of that and, you know, our founding fathers, uh, when they hit that part of, of trying to get the Constitution written, and they realized that you, we can't do it. You know, it's not, it's not working. They're just They were fighting among themselves and arguing. And Ben Franklin, who wasn't even really a Christian, says, we've got to look to God. He's the only answer. And that's what it is today, and that is where Patty is going to uh, take over.
1: Uh, today, uh, can you hear me? No, it's not on.
0: It's on. No, oh, it's it's not wasn't green. It was <laughs> on. All right.
1: Today, our history books do a lot to um, say that none of this actually occurred. The best way to find out is to go to the actual writings, what actually occurred at the time. What did happen in the founding of this country? And when you read what actually did occur, you can make a decision for yourself as to what actually was the basis for what this nation was founded on. So it's no longer opinion, it's based on what occurred. So in the midst of the, uh, the Constitutional Convention, where all these men, there were like 50 some odd people from the various states at that time that were trying to make a decision and they were fighting constantly. But Benjamin Franklin, being the senior member of the convention, he was 81 years old at the time. He commanded the respect of all present. And according to what James Madison detailed, uh, in fine detail recorded, he rose to speak at this moment of crisis where they didn't know if they were going to have any kind of a constitution at all. So he addresses the head of the Constitution who is George Washington, the small progress, and this is in his own words, the small progress we have made after four or five weeks it was going on, close attendance and continual reasonings with each other, our different sentiments on almost every question, several of the last producing as many knows as eyes, is. is methinks a melancholy proof of the imperfection of the human understanding. We indeed seem to feel our own want of political wisdom since we have been running about in search of it. We have gone back in ancient history for models of government and examined the different forms of the republics which, having been formed with the seeds of their own dissolution, of their own end, now no longer exist. And we have viewed modern states all around Europe, but find none of their constitution suitable to our circumstances. In this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth and scarce able to distinguish it when presented to us. So they were in confusion. They really needed enlightenment. In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, the conflict had been won at this point. We had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. But who did they pray to? Who was the God that they prayed to? We have to ask ourselves that. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. To that kind providence... We owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. Those are the words of Ben Franklin. And if a, and here, where does this come from? We have to ask ourselves. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? Where does that come from? It is right out of the scriptures. We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, sacred writings, sacred writings, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Again, where is that out of? The scriptures. I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better. Than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our partial local interests. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down to future ages. Have we reached that point where we will become a reproach and a byword? And what is worse, mankind may hereafter from this unfortunate instance, despair of establishing governments by human wisdom and leave it to chance, war, and conquest. That is the result of human wisdom, not godly understanding and wisdom. I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business and that one or more of the clergy. Oh, my gosh, separation of church and state. What is going on here? And that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service, and I am being ridiculous to make a point. It's to make a point that has been made over and over again until our ears have been boxed with it. And sometimes in reading actual words and the truth, we need to make a point also. The response of the convention to the speech of Benjamin Franklin was reported by a Jonathan Dayton, who was the delegate from New Jersey. The doctor sat down, and never did I behold a countenance at once so dignified and delighted as was that of Washington at the close of the address. Nor were the members of the convention generally less affected. The words of the Venerable Franklin fell upon our ears with a weight and an authority even greater than we may suppose an oracle to have had in a Roman Senate. And what happened after that? Of note is the fact that prayers have opened both houses of Congress ever since. Now, these are the exact words of one of the founding fathers of this country. And I think we need to take these words under advisement ourselves in our own deliberations, in our own lives, and in our own decision-making, in what we do in praying for our nation. Because the founding of this nation occurred because they were willing to humble themselves before God and pray and seek his face and let him be the one to direct them. So the the point of what we're making is and why we needed to attend this conference, too, is how really vital prayer is. It is not a byword. It is a vital instrument that God wants us to be able to use to bring about his purposes again in this nation, we talked about, uh, we, we sang about um, wanting to find the way. Well, th- we know what the way is. God has already given us that way. It's Jesus. So we need to be looking to Him. And that's one of the things that a lot of the speakers talked about also. And Leanne, uh, you talked about, and there are no coincidences in God, but God incidences. And you talked about the Lion of Judah, and this is no coincidence. One of the things we heard first was a speaker say, our king is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He has triumphed, and that's directly out of Revelation 5.5. So it was started off right away, understanding that we have a king that we look to who has shown us the way And we need to be looking to him no matter what's going on. There is a battle waging, but Jesus is there on the throne. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah as well as the Lamb of God. He is there already in the midst of the problems of not only this nation, but also ourselves in the midst of our problems. And he does not slumber and he does not sleep. And one thing that was brought out very clearly that God said to this particular person is that the battle is not even close. It's not even a contest. He's the one who's sovereign and has triumphed. So the battle is not even close. Now, one of the things we heard too was from one of the speakers was that it is important, very important, that we be reading the Word of God, but reading it out loud so that we can hear what it says, too. That we listen to what God has to say. And part of that listening is reading right out of his own words, the inspired words that he's given us. That we need to hit the pause button in our own lives and make time... To listen to what he has to say. That we, and in order to listen, we need to pay attention. So there's two aspects to it. And to pay attention, we have to still ourselves. We can't be running around all over the place, to and fro, but stilling ourselves. And scripture does tell us, too, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. But also... In Proverbs 4.20, he says, Pay attention, attend to my words. Listen closely to my words. So it is important that we do those things. Now in Isaiah, um, in Isaiah 64 uh, was something that uh, they spoke from. That it's time for my people to get right with me. That God, we need to let God do a work in us. And that was one of the things we talked, we sang also. Show me to turn back to you. Show me the way. So in Isaiah 64... Uh, uh, Verse 1. We'll start at verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. That God would in that sense of rending the heavens, reveal more of himself. That what is happening in our nation, the turmoil, the agitation, the conflict, could that be the shaking going on to bring about a national revival, the beginning of the fire to fall, a fire that sets the twigs The dead wood in our own lives to burn that out and causes water to boil, a boiling that brings to the surface the impurities that we need to allow to come out of our own lives, that God can bring forth the purified product that he has established to be there. Our God is a consuming fire, the Bible tells us. But it's with the purpose of not destroying us, but refining us. Of bringing out the character and the nature of his own son in us, which is what will transform not only our own lives, but the society that we're living in as well. In uh, Isaiah 64... 5, you are indeed angry for we have sinned in these ways we continue and need to be saved. So it's in that sense of recognizing in our own lives what needs to be brought to him, not in judgment and condemnation, but in being what did we hear when we sang? Freed, unchained, released from captivity. That is what he, Jesus came to do. So how God works is not always as we expect. He answers, which is what Mike was talking about. He answers, but it doesn't come wrapped the way we think it will be wrapped or the wrapping isn't to our liking. And uh, one of the speakers used this analogy um, to bring across the point how uh, her mother had sent sent her a present, sent her something in the mail. And when she opened it, all she found was a bunch of tissue paper. So she kept pulling out all this tissue paper and was like, what is mom doing? So she just threw the tissue paper out and figured she'd find out what was behind it. So her mother calls her and says to her, and did you throw away the tissue paper? Yes, I did, Mom. There was, I didn't find anything in that. She said, you better go get that tissue paper out of the garbage right now. So she goes and gets it out and looks a little deeper and finds that there's a tiny little box with this priceless ring wrapped in all that tissue paper. And she would have thrown away a priceless, priceless gift because... She didn't like the wrapping it was in. And that is a, a, a really good analogy of us really setting aside our own perspectives, our own mindsets, the human understanding element, and really opening ourselves up to what is it, Lord, that you're really doing? And if we get to know his character more, we'll know that what he's doing is out of loving kindness. Not out of condemnation or judgment, but out of loving kindness for a people, even the unlost, who he loves and desires to to come to know him. So let's not miss what God is doing. And in the midst of all the Governmental change, the turmoil, the disobedience, lack of understanding, even the turmoil in our own lives. We do not have a God who leaves us nor forsakes us. He has told us that. But we have to be willing to come to the cross of Christ with whatever it is He's trying to show us we need to let go of so that we can be freer to enter into all that he has prepared and planned for us to give us a hope and a future and to prosper us according to his purposes, not our idea of that. So I think that's a good note to end on.
0: We we all have a legacy. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. You know, we, we have children and grandchildren, and what we leave to those children or grandchildren is, is our legacy. One of the things that God was showing me while we were looking through the notes, he told me that prayer is your legacy. Because that prayer is out there. Once you pray... It, it doesn't just, you know, go somewhere and end and drop off the face of the earth. It's out there forever. Okay? And as I said before, it does unite with prayers of, of, of people in the future. And that is part of our legacy that we will leave behind when we go on into heaven. So sometimes when we think of things in, in those positive ways, it, it's encouraging and it, and it helps us in that. So... Jay and I were talking uh, at our last elders meeting about what are we going to do with this, you know. And we had decided that um, next Sunday we're going to have our regular worship service here at church. And when we're finished, we were going to leave the building. We're going to walk actually right across Route 9. The seat of our government in Hyde Park is the town hall, right over right over there. It's like about half a block away. And we are going to walk over to the town hall and gather there and pray in front of the town hall and pray for our government, use scripture. We're going to help everybody out with this because this may not be something that you're comfortable with, and uh, you know we we lead a uh, prayer breakfast once a month uh, at the palestina and uh, the people that do come, they come from all different churches. But when they come, we always say y- you don't have to pray; you can just kind of pray silently with people that are praying, or you could pray out loud. And we said the same thing with with this, but we're going to give you a booklet. Patty's going to hand it out that has lots of scripture in it uh, related to different things that you can pray for in for our country and has all different sections in it and what we i'd encourage you to do is just to pick out one or two of the uh, topics to pray for and using the scripture so in other words if you don't want to if you don't want to pray for it, but you could just read that scripture in relation to it, this way you would be participating without having to worry about you. I'm not sure exactly how to pray for this. Now, um, some might not be able to physically do the, do the walking. Like our buddy Lance over here, I don't think is going to make it a half a block away because he, he has a crutch. So we are going to have some people that just kind of stay back at the church and pray here, uh, you know, for for all of us as, we, as we're walking over. So you guys would just make that decision as to, you know, whether you want to leave at that point or, or stay in, in the church building. We also thought that if somebody came late to church that day, there would be somebody here, you know, and they wouldn't walk in and say, where would everybody go? Okay, so that's what we're, we're going to be uh, doing um, next week. we were excited about this. We're looking forward to it. Jay actually called the pastor at the um, Methodist Church and the pastor at the Baptist Church. And they were kind of excited about it, too. We asked them if they wanted to send anyone out to participate with us, and they really want to do that. So we may have a couple of people from other churches. We're not sure how that's all going to work out. You know, this is new, a new thing that we're doing. But there might be some people from the Methodist or the Baptist church or both that would come and join us uh, over there at the town hall. So... This is where we're, we're heading for uh, next week, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about future things, so we're not sure, how, you know, where we're, where we're going to go with this and see where, where God leads. But, you know, keep it in prayer also as we as we go along.
1: And uh, just uh, the hope is that you begin to get an understanding, if it's not already there, of... Uh, Smattering of what our inheritance really is just like the analogy story that Mike started out with Um, there is we have a God Who is a loving father and a mighty king and savior and an inheritance that is beyond our scope or imagination but if we live in a place of poverty thinking, then we never really come into what that what is actually available to us that God has given us. So let's just begin to kind of ponder what's being said today. It's not parking your brains at the door. That is not what God tells us. He says, come. And reason with me. And if God says that, then we should begin to do that regularly to come and reason with him and let him begin to unfold the truths of his word through the power of his Holy Spirit. And enable us to understand the kind of inheritance that he has given us as we follow his way, not our own way, but his way. In Jesus' name. Okay. Okay. So I hope you can all, in unison with me, thank God for what he's given us today through inadequate instruments. <laughs> and if we're up here doing it, you could be up here doing it. <laughs> So praise you, God, for what you use for your purposes and all your blessings that you pour out on us, especially what you did through your son, Jesus. And may we carry that out as we go from here, Lord, being bearers of that to wherever we are in your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.